freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round, what, two and a half recap episode for this week's Genesis Invitational. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Let's call it day three. This is day three, or day, day three, three recap. And what a day it was, Rick. I mean, that was that was uh, that was something else. What a day! We get a four-hour delay uh for wins that was it wasn't just like hey come back in four hours it was like all right we're gonna try again in an hour and a half no 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 get okay now go out to the range no 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 just kidding it's gonna be an hour so this was like start and stop start and stop at the end of the day our final group got through 13 we'll talk about sam burns we'll talk about all the chasers but uh I mean, the the idea of these guys who are such creatures of habit to be doing the start-stop thing constantly, like, it, it was just a weird day. Yeah, it's a, it's not an easy thing. Um, I, now, that being said, when you're a tournament player, you have dealt with this before, or you've dealt with the start and stops. It's not fun. It's not easy. Um, but But you do everything you can to get yourself in the right mindset before you start each time. And these guys have ways to kind of settle themselves down. Definitely a new scenario for a guy like Sam Burns, but for the most part, I mean, the, these guys understand how to how to deal with that. It's because they've done it before they get to the PGA Tour, but it's still, no matter how many times you've done it before, it's still not easy, um, and it still can get a little uncomfortable. It can get frustrating, especially when it's LA. I mean, you're in Los Angeles. When I would love to know when the last time we had a a four hour delay is in LA, and then you add to that, it's not rain where you can look at the radar and say <laughs> right. the this is going to pass in 10 minutes or 20 or, or four hours, or it's not going to pass. This is wind. And typically wind picks up through the afternoon. So if you you're on the first tee and you're Sam Burns, you're expecting the wind to pick up throughout the, throughout your round. And all of a sudden you're going up. If I were him, I would think we're going to go out there and play two, two, three holes when it's kind of in the dusk time. So eh, not easy. Our 36-hole leader, Sam Burns, slept on a five-shot lead. He got to the first tee this morning. He's addressing his ball. That's when the horn blew. So then he sits around for four more hours before he actually starts his rounds. And he didn't finish it. He played 13 holes, Greg. And there were a few moments that I want to point out here. Because he finished his day at two over par. But he went out in one over. And the highlight that we're all going to see, I was going to say we're all going to see on SportsCenter tomorrow. We're not going to see it on SportsCenter tomorrow. But the highlight we're going to talk about is what he did at number six this is the donut par three the guy is just absolutely dead right of the green he's got a short backswing he has nowhere to land it i'm thinking bogey is going to be an amazing score here he hits an absolute peach gets it to roll down within tap in range makes par and i'm thinking wow sam burns might have this under control this is the thing. This is kind of the reason why we talked about heading into the week how important short game is because you get yourself into these situations. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it was, I would say, not a great situation to be in. But the shot he hit, have you heard? Did you hear the interview after Rick? I, I'm not sure if he got a chance to, but he basically said, Yeah, I was in a tough spot. I didn't, I hit a terrible shot off the tee and I hit a great one and was able to get it to feed down right down to the hole. It was such a simple answer yeah. it reminded me a little bit of dustin johnson in a way so it, it was really cool to see and you're right it, it's probably if he wins maybe the shot of the tournament 
he's keeping the wheels on, you know, he gets the 10, he birdies 10. So he's even par through the day. He birdies 11 and then he gets to his final two holes of the day. Number 12, he three putts for bogey. Number 13, he's in the fairway with wedge in hand, yanks it left, makes another bogey there. And then that's when the horn blows, Greg. And I'm starting to think this guy's leaking oil. The stoppage might be really good for him. He's going to have to come out and play five holes on Sunday morning before he starts his final round. But this might have gotten ugly if he had to continue to play. Well, especially you look at 14 and nobody can keep the ball on the 14th green. In in regulation, anyway. I mean, the green is so firm. Uh, anything you do, it seems like it's just going to bound over the back unless you play significantly far away from the flagstick. So that's no uh, no picnic, as they say. So the golf course is just getting tougher on the way in until you get to 17 when you have a par five. So uh, I I do agree in a way where it's great to, that it ended because he 14 probably in the morning probably plays a little bit easier because the green's just not going to be so you'll have an opportunity to stop it on the green. Um, but again, it makes for a really long day. You're talking about a 650 start and then you're likely in, I, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. If they're going to repair after they finish, but you're likely in, in the last group or one of the last couple groups, it makes for a long day. It certainly does. And, and I want to talk about the holes that he has left, the holes that Dustin Johnson has left, all of that stuff. We're going to do that down in the like players to watch and betting stuff. Uh, so I want to talk about Matthew Fitzpatrick real quick, who has one hole to play. He finished 17 holes. He is three under par, which is like the round of the day. And he did it in pure psycho fashion, Greg, where he had a 10 hole stretch without a par. Let me, let me just read you this 10 hole stretch here yeah. from number three. He goes birdie, bogey, birdie, 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 bogey makes the turn birdie, bogey, bogey. Wow. That is uh what do they call that? A two penciled kind of day. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> you don't, you don't see that very often. And it's, it, uh, a unique circumstance, especially when you have more, more birdies than bogeys, right? I mean, that's something you could see a 10 hole stretch without a par when you're just completely leaking oil and maybe you make a couple of birdies on par fives. Um, but this was, it was really good play and it just speaks to how difficult the golf course sets up. Cause you can, you can hit great shots and get penalized, but there's something about Matthew Fitzpatrick, Rick, he loves setups like this when it's yeah. really firm and fast and difficult. I, I think he played well last year at Memorial, um, and I want to say he played pretty well at BMW as well. And and he was cited saying, it, "Look, th this is the kind of setup that I really like." So when he gets in these situations, he's a guy to keep your eye on for sure. Producer Jacob coming through in the clutch, uh, confirming that so fourth round tee times are going to be between eight thirty and ten thirty. That's local, so they're going to start at six fifty. They will regroup based on. 54 hole score. So that is noteworthy, Greg. And yeah. how much of this, you know, before we get into some of these chase guys, and I, I love the idea that some guys have no holes to play. Some guys have five holes. Like I, I love this. So I want to talk about it a lot, but before we do, how much of this is mental? How much of it is physical? We talk about how much of a creature of habit, a lot of these guys are the starting and stopping the waking up early. You know, some guys rush to try to finish the round so they don't have to wake up early. This is not only a physical test on, on Sunday morning. It's, it's probably a mental one as well. 
It's an extremely long day. And you hear a 6.50 tea time and you're thinking, well, when I have a 6.50 tea time on Sunday, I'm getting up at 6.10, taking a quick shower, brushing my teeth on the way to the course and rolling out to the first tee. The guys on the PGA Tour aren't doing that, right? They have a gym. They they have physio. They have time in the gym. Um, I mean, they have at least an hour of warming up before they even get to the golf course. I think back to Brooks Kepka at, um, at um, I think it was in Memphis, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, when he showed up 45 minutes before his tea time and kind of lit up the Twitter world. Like, this guy doesn't care. How is he? But he's, a, he's a, warming up well before that. Right? Twitter, Twitter has a problem with Brooks getting there 35 minutes early or Hal Tong staying four hours late. You just cannot, yes, tw- you you cannot, can't please, you can't. You cannot please golf Twitter with how much time you spend yeah. on the range. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Hal Tong. That's a, <laughs> that, that's a good pull. That's a really good pull. But any, my point is, for a 6.50 tea time, this may be a a 3 a.m. wake up call. I mean, yeah. it really may, it really it likely is. So it's extremely early. And then you're playing, you're playing a much later tea time. You're playing much deeper into the afternoon. I mean, granted, fortunately now on the West coast, you're probably starting three hours earlier than you would on an East coast event. So that shortens the day a little bit. Cause they're going to, they're looking to get done around six 30 Eastern. So three 30 uh, Pacific time. Right. So it's not quite, as long, but still you're talking about a, a 12 hour stretch. If you're Sam Burns, you're, if you're up at three done at, at three, thir- 12 and a half hours of high intensity, um, high pressure golf, not easy. I'm, uh, I'm going to intertwine some of the, the, the odds, uh, for the outright number with some of the holes that we have left here. So Sam Burns is three to one to win this golf tournament. According to our friends over at William Hill, he has five holes to play. He's currently too clear of Matthew Fitzpatrick who has a hole to play. And we'll talk about some of these other guys. So Fitzpatrick is four to one along with Dustin Johnson. Now here's the thing with Dustin Johnson, Greg, he is currently as we speak, three shots back, but he is staring at a 17 foot putt for, for par on the 14th hole, which in all likelihood he does not make. And he will be four shots back within two minutes of him starting his round. So you have to consider that when you look at the odds and then he's going to get to play a par five coming in, he's going to have, you know, four more holes. And it's not, not a particularly easy stretch of golf for anybody who's finishing up on that side. So looking at the rankings, you got 14 is playing, um, on, in round three, the fifth most difficult. Then the 10th most difficult is 15. 16 is the eighth. 17 is one of the easiest 16th and 18 was the, the toughest hole today. So, um, yeah, those are, those are very difficult ranks, but what's more interesting is when you go down and look at the birdies, right? 18 gave it up one birdie today so far, which is a, extremely low. Um, so 14 has given up three birdies today uh six for 15 four for 16 so not a lot and even even 17 which is one of the easiest holes on the course only gave up 12 birdies today so there's there's no easy hole out here and you're kind of looking to hold on what i'm curious to see is when the greens at 6 50 in the morning uh, between then and, and when they finish the uh third round how how much softer are the greens? Are they going to hold? Is that going to allow for more birdies? Because th- these guys can hit great shots with any club in the back, right? They they can fly it really high and they can get the ball to land where they want it to land. It gets really difficult when you can't control what happens after that. 
when you lose control of after the first bounce where it goes, I think that's what you're seeing today. When, when mm-hmm. it gets really firm like that, that's why it gets so difficult. We're going to find out very early where Sam Burns is at. I almost kind of want to wait on these lines until we kind of see Sam Burns play his final five holes or so. If he plays his final five holes at field average, he's going to play them 1.2 strokes over par. So you got to think the lead might be eight under or nine under if he just kind of plays the field average uh, by the time he even starts the final round. So so I think you've got to work that into your calculations here, Greg, and you've got to work into your calculations that Dustin Johnson is staring at a long par putt that Patrick can't like. I actually think he teed off on. Let me confirm this. I think he teed off on 17. So he's playing the par five, but he's in the fairway bunker. So this is like kind of uh, all these things have to go into what you're trying to figure out for what the lead's going to be and how many shots these guys are going to be behind when the final round actually starts. So you think you'd rather wait until round three is completely over or is there something, when you look at this, do you think there's an advantage you can kind of get ahead of something because a guy's in a particular spot? I think that all of the spots that are cur- so, so of what I know right now, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick at four to one, I think is really interesting because he has one hole to play. He's got to play 18. It's very difficult, but he still has to play. He only has to play one hole. Uh, I, of all the other situations, like Dustin Johnson is not in a particularly good spot, but he does have a par five. Uh, Sam Burns, obviously the most, the, the difficult stretch that we have coming up here. The guy that I actually think, Greg, and I, I hate to even, you know, uh, titillate you with this is Tony Finau. Tony Finau is done. Tony Finau had already hit his drive on 18 when they blew the horn. He makes he, he decides to finish, which I believe is correct and smart, so he doesn't have to have the early wake-up call tomorrow. He is at five under. If we assume that Burns... Okay, like 50% of the time, Burns is going to be at like nine under heading into the final round. Like 25% of the time, he's going to be at like eight under or seven under if things go really bad. And if he somehow like 10% this and gets himself to 11 under, then I think he wins the golf tournament anyway. But if he comes back to eight or if he comes back to seven, which is not all that unlikely, Tony Finau's then like two shots back. He shoots a 68. He wins this golf tournament. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Rick, because it's it's very similar to where we were yesterday, where you have to if Sam Burns has this in his hands, he can take he can run away with this and take it and, and end all of our chances. So right. in that case, you, you, I mean, you're not going to get great odds on Sam Burns at this point. But if you go if you assume that he's not the guy and he's going to fall off, the, the pot becomes much more interesting. And I agree with you, Rick. I think Tony Fino is um, is, is a very interesting candidate. And he's also doing a great job, tee to green. Tony Finau is third right now, tee to green, and I think he's doing pretty well. Uh, well, he's he, third tee to green, and um, what was I looking at before? Oh, eighth approaching the green. So he's hitting the ball very, very nicely right now, which I think is a huge advantage. The one question that I have is where is his? Where, where what's going on with his short game? You look at you look at the around the green leaderboard right now, and it's a lot of guys near the top. Cameron yeah. Smith is I mean, not leading the tournament, but doing very well. Dustin Johnson is in fourth. Wyndham Clark, who's there, is in sixth. Matthew Fitzpatrick is in eighth. So there, there's a lot of guys up near the top on that. And uh, Tony Finau is down at 25th, which, you know, I suppose for him, for Tony Finau is not a terrible place to be 25th around the green. So he's 18 to one. Um, now, I actually have a pre-tournament wager on 
Tony, I would have to go check to see that number is probably 25 or something like that, maybe 30 actually. But uh, I, I don't know, man. And you know, I'm not a Tony Finau truther, but like this feels, this feels like a really good spot to just steal this with the caveat, of course, what you mentioned, Sam Burns has to play the final five holes, one or two over par to, to give us a chance. Yeah, I mean, it, you mentioned the number 68. So he goes out in round four, shoots three under, he gets to eight. That can ha- there, There's one way where that can happen really quickly. There's another way where even if Dustin Johnson is sitting at six and Patrick Cantlay is sitting at six, uh, are you going to take Tony to beat those guys? And I, I have a hard time with that because they're, those are they're heavy hitters. And that's my one caveat. But if it's complete carnage tomorrow, that's where a Tony Finau kind of sneaking his way in, posting a number early. That's where he ends up with a win. That's how this guy breaks the hump, I think. Riviera played nearly two and a half shots over par thus far in the third round. If it plays the same way on Sunday or plays two shots over par and Tony Finau shoots three under and Cantlay still has, Cantlay would still have to gain four shots on the field, which of course he can do. It would just be a tall task for anybody. So I I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm just, uh, I've got the the tinfoil hat on at this point, trying to figure out a way to get Tony Finau to victory. It just, I I don't know. I've, I've never felt probably this strongly about it. So I guess we'll find out where it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an absolute, uh, exciting finish no matter what the, the the final stretch of holes the difficulty the field that we have stacked up a guy trying to win his first golf tournament this is this is a really fun finish I think we're in store for Greg yeah I would have to say so as well you're it, it's not going to be one of those tournaments where you're seeing birdies coming down the stretch we see that very, quite often on the PGA Tour I think this is going to be more of a survival test uh, and and if you can execute the one shot and make a clutch birdie putt from 25 feet or something like that, then it, it, um, it's going to go a long way, which is cool to see. It's cool to see a guy make three birdies on the back nine and, you know, one or zero bogeys. And it, and it really gains a lot of ground. And that's the kind of tournament you're going to see tomorrow. All right. Well, about this time, actually, maybe earlier tomorrow on Sunday, we'll be back talking about this. Uh, but for now, big thanks to producer Jacob behind the scenes. Uh, also, that's Greg Ducharme. Thank you very much. You can follow him on Twitter at the real GFD. You can follow me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.